Welcome, friends. Welcome, guests. Glad you joined us. It's a cold morning, but it's a warm morning in here, right? Glad you're joining us for our current teaching series 24. And in this series, we are primarily looking at what the Bible tells us about Jesus' last 24 hours on earth. How cool is this, right? Last week, we looked at Jesus' last supper with his disciples. It, it just, any, you know, I just got to tell you, the first Easter, the first Easter season that we pastored this church, Christy and I, and I was talking about the Last Supper, you, you whack jobs, you send me these pictures of Jesus sitting at the table, supping with his disciples, and they all have these Boston Red Sox hats on, and Jesus has got this Red Sox hat too. And so the battle began, and it's coming up soon, but I just can't get that image out of my head when I'm thinking about this sacred moment, thanks to you. Did I say whack job? Okay. Now listen, <laughs> we... We like to have fun here. We like to laugh here. And we like to learn about God. You know, we, we say we are here to glorify God and enjoy Him, yes? And we have a lot of fun. And I want to tell you today, I want you to laugh. I want you to have fun. Today is a great day for you to mine an incredible, deep spiritual truth. Today's a great day for you to grab a hold of God. Okay, and what I'm going to bring you and elevate yourself in your relation with God and increase your standard of living, move forward and grow in your life. I truly believe that what I'm going to give you today is can help you do that. So dial in with me. Now, we talk, we're talking about the last temptation of Jesus. And just like Satan was present in prior times, whenever you see Jesus tempted in the Bible, I believe there's a few of them, you see Satan is present. Amongst the circumstances, there's Satan. There's Jesus and there's Satan. And Satan is always active in tempting Jesus. And here, in Jesus' last 24 hours on earth, we see it happening again. You see, Jesus came to earth to suffer and die as a ransom payment for our deliverance from eternal damnation, as to pay for our sins. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So throughout the Gospels, we see Satan working to tempt Jesus. Why? Because Satan did not want Jesus to go to the cross. Because if Jesus goes to the cross, then the sins of the world, the sins of men and women of all time, are covered, are paid for, are redeemed. That you and I, and all those who trust in Jesus, would be saved from the penalty of eternal damnation and have eternal life reconciled with our Heavenly Father. That's the last thing Satan wants. So we see throughout the Gospels, Satan pursuing and tempting Jesus to avoid that cross. It happens three times. In the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. It talks about Jesus following his baptism. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and there he's tempted by the devil. We know that the devil takes, Satan takes Jesus to a very high mountain, and he shows him the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he says, all this I will, all this I will give to you, Satan tells Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, not God. You see, Satan knew Jesus was going to in inherit an eternal kingdom. 
but Jesus would only inherit that eternal kingdom if he followed through with suffering and dying on that cross. So in a sense, Satan is saying, hey, listen, you want a kingdom? I got a kingdom. It's awesome. Take a look at it. And it comes without any suffering. You don't have to die. How about it? And Jesus replies in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Did Jesus want to suffer? No. But he sure wasn't going to trade an eternal kingdom for a temporary kingdom, yes? There's no way. Think about that. In the midst of the temptation, Jesus knew, I'm not going to trade the eternal for the temporary. Let that resonate in you as you think, as the way you live your life. Will you trade the temporary, the, the, will you give up the eternal for the temporary, right? We fix our hearts on our minds on the temporary. We taste it, we smell it, we embrace it, we indulge in it, and we give up the eternal. What is true? What is lasting? What endures? What is most valuable? Because temptation comes along and it says, take a look at it. It's splendid. It's wonderful. It's yours. And it comes easy. Take it. Indulge in it. Wrap yourself around it. Pour your emotions and your life and your hopes. Pour it into that temporary, fleeting, probably notably likely destructive temptation that I'm serving up right before you. But you know what? Jesus doesn't buy into it. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me. He wasn't going to let us rot in hell. He wasn't going to see us apart from his and our creator, our heavenly father. Our creator, his father. <laughs> so the devil leaves him, but not permanently. And in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23, we read about Satan's next swipe at him. And he works now through one of his disciples, one of his closest followers. He works through Peter, the apostle Peter, St. Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23, Jesus, it says, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day to be raised to life. Peter took him, took him aside and began to rebuke him, correct him, scold him. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter. What a moment. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, this term stumbling block, it's just another kind of term name for temptation. Jesus is saying to Peter, he's saying to Satan, Satan, you are tempting me to avoid the suffering that I have been called to by my Father. You are tempting me to avoid following through with God's plan for my life. You are tempting me to avoid and turn away from the very reason why I came into this world, and I will not do it. I was born to love these people, to give my life for them so that they would have eternal life, and I'm going to do it. Now, it might sound good what Peter was doing, courageous, bold, strong. In the minds of man, it was good. Peter had his mind on the things of men, on the things of humanity, on what was in him. He did not have the things of God in his mind. He was not dwelling on the things of God. Be careful not to fall into what seems logical, what seems reasonable, what seems fair. Don't fall in. Examine your thoughts. Is my mind filled and flooded 
with the things of God, with God's thought, is that is what is occupying my mind. So, as the first time, Satan temporarily leaves and leaves Jesus alone. But now he returns sometime later with one final attempt, one major spiritual battle, one big swing of the bat to knock Jesus out. And this one's going to be for all the marbles, such a critical moment in the life of Jesus. I say one of the most critical moments in the history of this world. And he's going to serve up his best dish, his best shot, and it's temptation. And he's going to bring it full force onto Jesus. And we see this happening in what we know is the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's taking place in Luke chapter 22. And after finishing that last supper without Red Sox hats in the upper room around 10 p.m., okay, Jesus and his disciples leave the house. They were eating in together. They walk, in not a very long distance, but they walk through a valley and then they go up kind of a large hill we know is the Mount of Olives. And they get and they walk over and they go into a gar- the garden called Gethsemane. They get there about 10.30 at night. And it's dark. It's really dark. And things are about to get darker. Jesus tells us that in Luke chapter 22, verse 53, that this is the hour when darkness reigns. That means this is when Satan is going to make that full-blown attempt to deter Jesus from suffering and giving his life on the cross. And Jesus says what? He instructs his followers, his disciples. He tells them to pray. And as soon as they arrive arrive there at the garden, Jesus turns to them and he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 40, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And there it is again. And then Jesus leaves them to go alone so he could pray that he himself would not surrender submit and give in to the temptation that was coming. So Jesus walks a short distance, a stone's throw away. In Matthew 26, verse 39, we get the gist of his prayer, his communication to his heavenly Father. And we see it in this verse where Jesus says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but you will. Some of your versions say that, Father, that if I not drink from this cup, this chalice, but, but not my will, but your will. And we see here in this verse the essence of, that, of in Jesus' prayer is something that we can glean into to better understand what our communication with God would look like. The purpose of prayer is not to inform God of our needs, but for us to conform to God's will in our life. It's huge. Jesus went in there, not just saying, okay, here is my need. How are you going to give me what I need? How are you going to gratify me? See, no, he went in there with the thought is, look, it's yes. It's your, here, here, I'm pouring out my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm bursting inside and outside. I'm overwhelmed. And I'm crying out to you. Yet, whatever you have for me is what I need, right? You, the answer is yes. I am submitted and surrendered to your will, to your truth. So that's the picture. Satan's at it again for a third time. He's tempted Jesus to avoid the cross. He's not trying to give him a bad day. He's not trying to depress him. He's not trying to just... He's trying to take him away from what God has called him to do so that you and I would have eternal damnation and never be right with God. 
And here's Jesus, and he's struggling. He's struggling deeply, and he's giving all he has, battling spiritually to resist Satan himself. And now, in the midst of that, Jesus goes to check on his disciples. Right After he prays for an hour, he goes, and he goes to the disciples short distance away, and he finds them not praying. They're sleeping, right? And he says to them in Luke chapter 22, verse 46, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will what? You will not fall into temptation. In other words, guys, man, we are in the fight of our lives. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot at risk. Your very own salvation here is on the table. Get up and pray and fight so that you do not fall into temptation, that you do not concede to temptation, that you are not overwhelmed and overcome by temptation. What the devil is going to bring to you that is going to be more appeasing, more appetizing, more enticing than God's will for your life and God's privileges and promises for you. So Jesus corrects them, rebukes them, and he returns to pray for a second time. It's about 11.30 at night now, and Jesus is praying for an hour, and the intensity of his prayer is increasing. He goes now, and he checks on the disciples again, and once again, he finds them not praying. He finds them sleeping, and Jesus struggling now, physically struggling, emotionally, and he's battling the only way he knows how to, and that is spiritually. He goes back now, and he prays again. And he taps into the one resources, the one resource he knows that could help him win this battle, and that is prayer. That is earnest, sincere communication with his Father in heaven. That's where the power is. That's where the protection is. To protect from what? To protect God's plan from being destroyed in his life. Jesus now goes back to seek God, and there again is Satan now waiting Satan's waiting now to literally crush him, to put the weight on him. As he even says in the Old Testament that the weight of the world will come upon his shoulders. And here is Satan now reminding him and taunting him of what's just about to happen. And as with any battle, blood was spilt. Luke chapter 22, 44 says, Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In modern science, they, they see this, this, the body can do this, that the emotional stress could be so much in a, in a person that it could overwhelm their capillaries, if I'm saying it properly, and that they would burst. You and I might pass out, but Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he knows the utmost temptation but being fully God and fully man, he endured it. And how did he do it? Because he was just God? Because he sought his heavenly Father. Because he prayed to God and cried out to God. Jesus now heads back. After that moment, he heads back to be with his disciples. And he finds them a third time sleeping, not praying. He wakes them up and he says, enough. In Mark chapter 14, verse 41 through 42, Jesus says, Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of his enemies, into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Rise up. Rise up, let's go. Jesus wasn't saying, Okay, let's get out of here, man, right? Let's get going. Let's run away. On the contrary, that's what Satan wanted him to do. Satan wanted him to run away, to skirt the challenge, to, to get away from the problem and the pain. But Jesus had none of it. Instead, he surrendered himself to the will of God, and he walked out 
to face those who were there to arrest him and to begin to persecute him. He ran to the battle. We have sayings here at Cherry City Community, Cherry City Church. I go back and I think, you know, in the very beginning, one was the message yet to come. Another one, is, another one was what? Run. Tell me again. Come on now. Run to the battle. Say it like you're picking daisies. Help me out here. Oh, Jewish people hanging out in the 55 and older place where my parents got more gusto than you. Run to the battle. Jewish people are cool. I'm part Jewish. I can do that stuff. Part Italian, I'm part Irish. I, I can go after everybody. No. Run to the battle. What does that mean? When there's difficulty, and there will be difficulty. When there's pain, and there will be pain. When there's suffering, don't shirk it. Don't give in to temptation to avoid it and get away and do something that's going to create a worse problem, right? Run to the battle. Seeking God for protection, seeking God for his promises, trusting in God, knowing you are filled with the power of God. What that song say in the beginning? That he is inside me. I feel him with me. I'm not alone and nothing is impossible. Run to the battle. Don't cower. Don't turn. Don't double down on what you've done and how you've acted and handled things that only put you in a vicious circle of dysfunction. Certainly so far short of what God has you and what he's called you to and what he brought you into this earth for? No, run to the battle in the name of Jesus and by the power of God in you. Run to the battle. Let's go, rise up, you go to today. Whatever it is that's haunting you, that's weighing you down, that's tripping you up, cast it aside, whatever sin it is that's just dogging you. Run to the battle, face it, overcome it, do away with it. In the name of Jesus, yes? So, Jesus turns, runs to the battle. Ah, his followers, his disciples, not so much. Why? Well, Jesus had been praying, huh? And he had the power, and he had the source, he had the promises, and he ran to the battle. The disciples, they're sleeping. What do they do? They give in to temptation because they were sleeping, because they weren't praying. John 18 tells us that Peter pulls out his sword, and he attacks one of the soldiers who are coming to accost Jesus, probably trying to cut off the guy's head, but you know, he's a little tired, a little weary, so he misses and he cuts off the guy's ear. It's probably what happened, huh? I don't know, probably, but I could see it, right? And what was Peter doing? He's saying, hey, in effect, not God's will that Jesus should die, but my will that Jesus should live. And again, it sounds kind of, I don't know, reasonable, admirable, but it's not because it is the things of the mind of men and women, not the things of the mind of God. And Peter now is falling right into temptation, seemingly bravely, courageously. There goes Peter, but totally apart from God's plan because he was sleeping. And Jesus was praying. And Jesus praying, Jesus sought the will of his Father in heaven, of our Father in heaven, and he knew what was to come, and he was running to the battle. And here's Peter fiercely trying to avoid that which was God had called for Jesus to do. And for Peter to just submit and to trust in what was happening. And Peter's not alone. All the other disciples that were there at the Garden of Gethsemane, they flee, they run. The Bible records that in Mark chapter 14, verse 50, Mark chapter 14, 50, that everyone deserted him, Jesus, and they fled. And there he is alone now, alone and betrayed and abandoned. 
It's about 1.30 in the morning. Makes you cringe. Makes you kind of your heart sink. Kind of more from sorrow than from anger. Why did his disciples fall into temptation? Why did they sleep? Why did they not pray? Makes you think, what would we have done? Or what could we do when faced with such temptation, when so much is lying on the line, when there's something critical taking place in our life, and more so it is, even though we might think it's not. And I think this passage has got some kind of good, applicable principles that we can kind of extract out and put it into our lives on how we deal with temptation, on how we overcome temptation. You can overcome temptation. And the first way is to stay spiritually alert. Stay spiritually alert. Jesus in the garden, he tells his disciples in Matthew 14, verse 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It's important to stay spiritually alert and watch out for temptation. The battle is won or lost long before we actually encounter the temptation. Jesus didn't wait until the heat of the moment to decide what to do, right? Jesus said to Peter after he hacked the guy's ear off, which Jesus, by the way, put back on like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I don't know. My mind is filled with all sorts of whoop stuff. Red Sox hats and Mr. Potato Head. I don't know. That's me. All right. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Jesus says to Peter and his disciples, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? I must give my life for those who I love. Jesus could have accessed supernatural power. But if he had done so, you and I would be dead in our sins. We'd be facing eternal judgment and have no recourse, no option. But Jesus didn't make that decision in the heat of the moment. Jesus was spiritually alert. He was aware prior to walking into the heat of the battle, Jesus was preparing by praying to his, to his Father in heaven that what? That he would not fall into temptation. He decides ahead of time. So when is it? When's the best time to make a decision about having sexual relationships with somebody else before you get married to them? What? You know, maybe before you really begin getting emotionally involved, before you begin getting kind of attached to them, or maybe kind of late at night when you're over their apartment or your apartment and you're hanging out, laying on the couch under the covers, watching a movie or something, hanging out, what is it, Sleepless in Seattle or something like that? I don't know. That's the first movie I watched with Christy. And we actually were alone in her parents' house. They were out doing something meaningless, whatever it was. <laughs> And, and there we were alone, and we're watching this romantic movie, and, and I, I'd like to tell you that I overcame the temptation, but I never got the shot. She fell asleep on me, so that's, it's kind of, she did. She, there you go. I drove four hours. I get this bootleg. The movie had just come out in the theaters that day, and here I am. I got the bootleg VHS mafia copy, right, to impress her and show her that we could watch it in her living room. And she was so impressed that she fell asleep on me. Where were we? All these thoughts pouring into my head today, right? I'll make it through. Okay. When, when's the best? How about a diet, huh? When's the best time to decide what you're going to eat when you go to a restaurant, yeah? You know, 
You know, how, how are you going to make this decision? Would it be better to just pause and begin to say, hey, God, I, I'm struggling with this, and this is something I know I want to I grow on and improve, and it's, it's disrupting my life. So let me just pause right now and seek God and talk to God and spend time with me. You know what? Okay. Wow, where's that leading me? You know what? Let me now be prepared. I'm going to go online. I'm going to check the menu out for that restaurant, huh? And I'm going to see what is it that I'm going to eat when I go there. How much of it? What is it I'm going to order right now in my heart and in my mind? I'm going to walk into that place in the power of God, coming from being prepared in God, and I'm going to choose the right thing. Yeah? Huh? You certainly don't want to wait till you get in the restaurant and you start looking at what everybody else is eating and is smelling and, okay, here we go, right? I, I, I've been there. I'm tr- trying to eat healthy. I mean, I, I did pretty decent in Florida. Usually I'm just like a horse, man, when I go down. Uh, I did. I thought I did. Uh, I thought I ate half as much as I did the last time, which is still too much. But anyway, how about that issue with anger, you know? You're going to beat it the next time or you're going to let it overwhelm you? When's the best time to deal with that, huh? When somebody does something, you know, to like offend you or disturb you, when you're going to walk into those situations where you know you're going to be stressed and bad transitions, or, or when you're getting up in the morning and it's calm and it's quiet and you get up a little early just to spend time with God anticipating the day ahead and the possibilities and say, you know what, I'm going to prepare now to run to that battle by the power of God and be prepared to deal with it. Huh? Is it, which is better? First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around looking for, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Saint is prowling. He's roaring, meaning he's speaking not the things of God into your mind, but he's speaking lies and doubts and falsehoods and all to tempt you to turn from God, to submit to sin, not your Savior, not your Heavenly Father. And you know how he devours you? One bite at a time, one action at a time, one giving in to temptation at a time. He devours you. He eats up your potential. He's eating away at God's plan in your life. He's bringing you the temporary while we're agreeing to give up the eternity, but not today, right? Not today. This is your day. This is God reaching out to you today. This is God drawing you close to him and saying, not today, it stops today. Today I turn to Jesus who loved me, who gave his life for me, who suffered and died on the cross for me that my sins would be forgiven and that I would know the great God and his plan for my life. Not today. Today I overcome temptation. You do it with prayer. And you do it by being prepared as you soak yourself in prayer. When we were down in Florida last week, uh, my, we just got a lot of family down there. And, you know, uh, my kids are hanging out with their cousins. And one of their cousins, Anthony's 12 years old. He's a big kid. He's an athletic kid. He's a tremendous baseball player. And we got to see him. I mean, aside from, I mean, serious stuff, right? I mean, there are town leagues, there are traveling teams, and then he call these tournament teams where they gather like the best of the kids in the state, and they form these tournament teams, and they enter, in, it's, it's really a business, where they enter into these tournaments where they're scouted at young ages, and just to give you an idea, they're going into a tournament in Cooperstown, New York. The entry fee for the tournament is $14,000. That's not hotels, that's not food, that's not, nothing. Just to be in a tournament, it's $14,000 for the team. And so we go to him one morning, and, and we go to see one of his practice sessions. Not team, he practices with his team, but then he has a coach that he meets with every week to work on his swing. And the, and the coach is preparing him to be pitched around. 
what pitches not to take and not to swing out, and how to hit the pitch that most likely they're going to throw to him to pitch around him but still try and strike him out, which is the outside pitch, the outside corner of the plate. And he's teaching him, and they're hitting off the tee, the tee, and he's planning, and he, I mean, 15, 20 minutes. Well, you know, game comes, Anthony gets up to the plate, you know, gets up there, the pitcher calls the catcher out to the mound, he's talking to the catcher, catcher goes back, pitcher winds up, pop, outside of the plate, strike one. Anthony steps out, comes back in, I'm going to do a lefty, he's righty, pitcher comes, boom, here it comes outside of the plate, man, he jumps on this sucker. Now, outside pitch, you know, best maybe you're going to foul it off that way, maybe you try and take a lot of your power, you might get, get it out to the other field, no. He comes around on this pitch, and he rips a rocket over third base right to the fence. Ends up, he's standing on third base. The pitcher turns, looks at him. He smiles. <laughs> All good, right? He was prepared. He had practiced. Be ready and practice the art of prayer, communicating with your heavenly Father. We talked about this when we studied the Lord's Prayer going back over the summer, and how Jesus gave us this model, kind of this practice on how we should pray to God each day. And he says there in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's our prayer time before the day starts, before things come on us, where we seek God ahead of time and we win the battle, we gain on the battle, we run to the battle before we get there. I have found personally that when I'm talking to God, and this is true, this, this happened to me early on in my first several years of my relationship with God, my latter 20s into my beginning of my 30s, where I found that this, when I was in this time of prayer with God, that where my mind would be clearer, I'd be more likely to be honest with myself, and there it was a great time. It's a great time to remind yourself that giving into temptation always results in devastating consequences. We, I, I, God would help me see things for what they truly were, right? The devil is a liar. He exchanges the truth for a lie, and he brings temptation into our life, and he says, and here's the reward. And by the way, you're going to get it right now. You're going to get that self-gratification now. You're going to feel great now. It's all on you right now. And by the way, no consequences. Yeah, it happened to them and 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 them. But not you. Not you. It's not gonna happen to you. No, 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 no. It's it's okay. He clouds the consequences. He stops us. He deters us from being honest with ourselves. Why? Because we're sleeping. We're not praying. Huh? We're not seeking God, because if we're seeking God, our minds are clear, our hearts are filled with courage, and we see the sin, we see that temptation for what it is, and it stinks, and it's terrible, and it has no place in our hearts and our minds, because it's not of God. But what I struggled at first, when I first came to God, it's not like I came there, you know, I love Jesus. I struggled with this for several years, where, you know, I still would kind of like toy with certain ways of thinking, maybe a little being, right? I, I, I kind of got the spiritual battle thing, but I didn't really get it. I think it was a lot of it was my own, just you know, stopping from doing this and stopping from doing that, starting some other good stuff. But I would often, when I had these certain ways of being, of acting, these certain ways of handling uh, things in my life, circumstances, I would downplay the consequences of that way of behaving. You know? And, 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 
And sometimes I would kind of think of it as sin with a smallest, you know? It's like it's not really that bad. And plus, look at all the good I've done. And, and look at how much I've changed, right? I mean, come on. What do you want? He wants holiness. He wants us to love his son who gave his life for us. He wants us to give all. He wants us to surrender. Why? Because he loves us and he's got something so much greater for us and he doesn't want us to dance with the devil because the devil wants to destroy us. Listen, know this. The consequences are real. They are your consequences. If you sin, it says in Numbers in the Old Testament, your sin will find you out. See it for what it is. See it for all that it is. All right, let's move ahead, pushing on 11. Listen. Friends, sin only looks good when we fail to see it next to the guilt and the shame and the regret and the inevitable consequences that come with giving it to temptation and sinning. So it's so healthy for us to see it for what it is, to remind ourselves of those consequences you know, I, I, uh, I'm into Journey. There's a group that I liked, you know, when I was growing up. Yeah, good stuff, you know. And it had a song, Be Good to Yourself. It doesn't get a lot of airplay, but I liked it a lot. I dug the song. I'm just going to put a little twist. Be honest with yourself, and by doing so, be good to yourself. Be honest, not by the power of God, empowered by God, by the God, the Spirit living in you. Be honest with yourself and hold off push back, delay that gratification, don't give in to that temptation. There are negative consequences to, be, to being overcome by temptation. And at the same time, there are rewards. And you got to focus on the rewards too. I do. I learned to do that. I knew, I believe with all my heart that if I did not give in to the temptation that was creeping in on me, that was kind of those Satan kind of trying to whisper things in, if I would not if I would delay any gratification, if I would not sin, if I would see this for a, a life from my enemy, and I would trust in God, there would be a reward. And there always has been. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm married for almost 23 years. That's why I have the privilege and the, and the honor of being your pastor, because there are rewards, my friends. You need to know that and think about those rewards. Don't fix your minds on that temporary, fleeting, really I, I, I don't even know, you know, consequential pleasure. Fix your mind on what cannot erode. Fix your mind what is true and lasting. Fix your minds on the rewards that are coming to you when you trust in God and don't give in to temptation. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, one of the first verses I came across in the Bible that I could understand. <laughs> Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Who sows, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That study was done by Walter Michel. It's, it's a big deal in uh, kind of psychological circles. Psychology circles. You know what he did? Those, uh, not those, but the original study, the children were in his girls' nursery and preschool, and, and then eventually in their early school years. He went on to, he continually studied those kids and more kids throughout their lives. And what he found, and others have found throughout the years, they've studied thousands of kids, is the ones that delayed taking the marshmallow performed much better in life. The ones that delayed their gratification. The ones that did not give in to temptation lived better lives, measurably in so many areas. They accomplished more. They had more gladness. They had more happiness because they delayed that gratification. 
Now, what does that mean? It just means that's how God made us. Even if they didn't believe in God, they were functioning in a way that honors God because he made us that way. That in delaying that gratification to please and fill themselves, to indulge themselves, they did better in life. Come on now. How many people in here would say, if I would have delayed that gratification, that self-gratification, that was temptation, that was not the mind of God or the heart of God, I would be better off today. And everybody said, amen, including Dave Trelongo. But today's different, right? It's a new start. It's a clean state. Today is your day where you do not give in temptation. temptation. You focus on the heart of God. You focus now on the rewards and what he has for you. We need to get out of this, huh? All right, last, but I got to finish this out. You know, there are times when this temptation, you, you, you know, you're prepared. You see it coming. It might come. You practice. And then it just comes on you, man. It, like, like it did with Jesus. And I, I use that term, it just comes, it's just on you. Like it was so overwhelmingly on Jesus there in the garden. And when you encounter such a struggle with temptation, at that point you must go deeper in prayer. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You need to go deeper and seek God, and that involves time and thought and effort and energy. And you need to do that to find the strength to say no to fear and yes to courage, to say no to depression and yes to hope, to say no to uncertainty and yes to peace, to say no to sin and yes to God, to say no to hell and yes to heaven, to battle spiritually as Jesus did, to go deeper in prayer as Jesus did. Listen, you know, we're going we're gonna to contemplation. All right, let's do it quickly, all right? Go ahead, toss it up. Boom. One, two, three, pull it down. Toss it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, pull it down. Toss it back up. Okay, what do you see? What did you see the first time? What did you, you're a liar, you, see, no, you saw mountains. What did you, I'm only kidding. You saw an eagle. What did you see the second time? Okay, what do you see now? Go, go. Okay, you know what? There's a ram. There's a bobcat, close enough for lion. There's a, 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 a mountain goat. There's a crocodile. There's a, a bear, and there might even be more. The more time you're looking at it, you're pondering it, you're contemplating it, the more you see, the more that's there, the clearer it becomes. That's what Jesus was doing in the garden. He was going deep in prayer and contemplating God, thinking of God, who he is, not just his He was thinking of God, who he was, what God's will was for him. He was studying it. He's reflecting on it. He's dwelling it, and he's seen the bigger picture. He's seen all that was there, and there was his heavenly and his holy Father, and that's what you will see if you go deeper in prayer when that temptation is on you. Be right with God, and we see that. You know, I'm just going to go towards Jen. And I, I experienced that early on in my walk with God. This was a changing, defining moment for me. Temptation was on me. I'm trying to get through Bible college, and I just start disliking everything about Bible college. I just start disliking everything, and I'm critical of people, and I'm critical of things, and I'm, I'm just about right now planning and manipulating a way to get out and just move on from this Bible college. I'm going to get married. I got bills to pay. I'm sitting here waiting. This ugly uniform, and the food stinks, and the people are hypocrites, and this just... 
I'm not going to say the S word, but it does. It, and, and man, the, Satan was on me. And he's tempting me and he's crying at me. And then one night, I'm saying goodbye to Christy and she says, you know what, I'm praying for you. I'm like, you know, really, just don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. And then she, went, she told me that she was praying with a friend together. They got up in the morning to pray for me. Whoa! Don't you dare do that. Telling people my business. I was upset. I stomped away, went upstairs. That wasn't enough. We didn't have cell phones, thank God. blown up. But we had a payphone. So I went to the payphone. Got on the phone, was upset. Expressed my displeasure, went back inside, started thinking about it. It's on me, I'm right, this is this one. It's the temptation is on me. The pictures are being drawn in my head. How right I am, how wrong. And I and all of a sudden, I'm getting up now to go and call again. And this thought comes into my head. It's so vile. It's so wrong. Here's this wonderful, sweet, beautiful woman who loves me and who's fighting for me. And this sick thought comes into my head. It was so against all that I thought about. It shook me. And I said, oh, you shouldn't have did that. I says, you're there. I know you're there now. I knew it was Satan. I knew it was evil. And I knew it was beyond what I could handle. And I dropped to the floor and I sat down and I buried my face in my knees and my head over and I just started to cry to God, help me. Help me see you. Help me hear you. Help me know you now. I just want you. And I sat there for like two hours and it just left me, man. The Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee for you, it says in Peter. You know, right there, right then, I went deeper. I prayed longer than I ever had in my life. And I cried out to God, and I just thought of him. And I started thinking of who he was and, I, and, and what he had done for me and what he was going to do for me. And that he, Jesus, gave his life for me. Not that I would wallow in sin and depravity and give my body and my thoughts and my mind and my life to things that are so beneath God's creation. It would not happen. I would not think this way. I would not live this way. I would battle that way. And I would keep battling and keep battling and keep battling. And I will keep getting better and keep growing. And God will have his way in my life. And I will have eternity. And I will finish this race. Yes? I want to stand with me. We have to finish out. Worship team, appreciate your understanding. You guys work so hard. As does everybody in that AVL booth. Love you. Thank God for all of you. Listen, if... Mark presents Jesus as a suffering servant. He came to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus pursued God. He encountered temptation like we can't even fathom. And what was true for him is true for us. Satan is pursuing us. He wants to undermine us. He does not want us to see salvation, what God has for us. But the good news is we are not defenseless against us. And we see that today. When we look at the life of Jesus, our Savior who loves us, the love of our souls, we can see that he had the victory. We can follow his model. We can follow what he practiced. We can turn to God in prayer to overcome temptation. Now, if you are not a believer in Jesus, if you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe I just want to kind of put a spin on your worldview really quickly. I know the culture says what? YOLO, right? You know, you only live once. Live it up. Party. Dig in. Do what's best for yourself. Gratify yourself. And, and it feels good. Do it. And you know, I guess what? If, if you're not, it's easy to do that if you're not thinking about God. If you're not thinking about truth. 
But understand, Romans 14, 12 says this, each of us will give an account to God one day. We will stand before God, the same God who gave us breath, the same God who put love in you to love another person, the same God who enabled you to think and consider the future like no other creation could. That God, we will stand before him and we will give an account and we can hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. This is what Easter is about, that we can enter into rest with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is the beginning. Today is your day. You can go. Next week we talk about the crucifixion, then the resurrection. This is your spiritual dynamo season right now. Get a hold of this. Begin to overcome temptation. And today is the day where you give up those temporary pleasures that you get from sin, the temporary satisfaction that you kind of psych yourself out with and kind of calm your mind for that minute, hour, at best day, but turn to things upon. Today's a day that you do not fill your mind with the things of this world, but you fill your mind with the thoughts of God. And it begins by you today, turning to your God, crying out to him and saying, I need you and I want you today. And I am so grateful that Jesus ran to the battle and gave his life for me, that my sins will not haunt me. My sins will not dictate what happens in my life anymore. I will not be a slave to them. But I instead embrace eternity, embrace the permanent, and I embrace your promises that you forgive me of my sins that I confess to you today. You take a hold of me. You love me. You carry me. And together, we go to eternal life. We go to hope. We go to peace. You're my God, my Jesus, and I follow you today. Amen. Amen. If that's you and you said something of that effect, you embraced what I was saying, you internalized it. The Bible says that you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You've come to salvation. You've, you've entered into this realm we call Christianity. You're a child of God. You want to take the card that you were given. It's Y-O-U. On the back, it talks about starting a relationship with Jesus. It's under next steps. Starting a relationship with Jesus. Renewing your relationship with Jesus. Check one of those boxes off and bring it to that table, the guest table in the lobby. Hand it to them. They're going to give you a package. It has a Bible, some other stuff to kind of get you going, give you traction to now start living out this real, promising, rewarding, wonderful, permanent life with God. Yes? so much better than giving in to that temptation. Today is your day. Take a hold of it, all of you. Run to the battle. Take a hold of what God has. We as Chair City Church are running to the battle, right? We press on. We put, we do. We love each other. We care for each other. We look out for each other. We press on to take a hold of what God has taken a hold of us for, and that's for us and all those, every single person, whatever we can do to see them come to know Jesus. So press on. Invite your friends to Easter. Press on. Next week, two services. Press on. Start to serve. We're seeing an increase in our ministries. I thank you so much for the response. The people are pressing on, and they're volunteering to serve in the kids' ministries. In First Impressions, AVO, press on. Jump in. Take that card. Fill it out. Let us know. I want to serve. I want to not just stop doing bad things. I want to start doing great things, right? Jump in and serve and be a part of what's happening here. I thank God for all of you. I thank God for your enthusiasm. I thank God that you run to the battle. To God be the glory. Amen. Have a great day.